We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pacific Catch post-game show. Lightyear's here. The Warriors beat the Toronto Raptors 129-117. Sitting in for Andy Lou, I got Aaron Larsoul. I feel like all around, that was a fun Warriors game. A lot of interesting things that happened, but all things considered, Friday night, get the win, two in a row, entering a big barrier sports weekend. Can't really complain on the aggregate. Absolutely not. No, it was it was fun, um, and it seemed like a better idea for me to come and hang out with you on light years than to um, venture out into the Los Angeles evening. So let's get it. It was <laughs> it was fun though. It was, it was fun hanging out. I'm laid up pretty good. My knees busted up, so I was hanging out on the couch. But it was it was a fun game. And, and anytime Steph has his moments where he gets going like that, um, there's always. I, I don't think there's any better show in basketball than that. There is not any better show. Let's start with let's start with the the main man, Steph Curry. Casual 35, 11, and 7. Only eight three-point attempts, which might as well be zero, given how he <laughs> plays basketball. Um, I feel like the you, you can always count on the Raptors to try something different against the Warriors. Yeah. Um, and it, tonight was no different. They overshaded Steph and he just layups all game. Um just looking at the numbers right now, nine for 13 on two pointers, five for five on free throws. He just, just got to the rim whenever he wanted, in my opinion, set the tempo for the the, the game for the Warriors. Yeah, especially early. I think he had 17 maybe in the in the first quarter. Um, but and especially maybe one three point attempt at that point. Yeah. And which is which is interesting. And, and the Warriors were, were launching early. Um I mean, that's what the, who the Warriors are, but also mm-hmm. because the Raptors are, I don't know, Kalena said this on the broadcast, I think 28th in three-point field goal percentage allowed. Some of that is luck, but but as you mentioned, I, and I said this on Twitter, Nick Nurse, and, and we saw it obviously in the finals against the Warriors, he's the king of the junk defense. And yeah. it was just a parade of wide-open threes and layups and dunks for the Warriors, especially in the first quarter. And I said on Twitter, it looked like for for a team that is as well versed in junk defenses as anybody in the league, 
they were guarding quote unquote the Raptors like they had just met this morning at shoot around. They the communication was terrible. It was I mean they were yeah. they were awful. I didn't think I mean the Warriors looked great offensively uh, throughout the night, uh, especially you know the, the late three point surge from from Kaminga. But it, I think frankly it had a lot more to do with the the Raptors defense was just awful all night. By the way, shout out to my guy Mike Mikas for yeah. hosting today on on playback. Warriors undefeated when Mika's hosts. We, oh. we, might have to, we might have to test that streak. Got to run that Mika's back. Mika's hosts in next, one of the next two games. So we'll keep that going. If you guys want to watch Warrior games with the Light Years goons, uh, hit up the Light Years profile. Get the link. We're watching every game rest of the way. It'll be a good time. Um, okay, you mentioned Kuminga. To me, Kuminga is the story of this game. Um for me, Kuminga has always been the highest upside prospect on the Warriors and definitely the one who's broken through most for them. The athleticism jumps, the defensive potential has shown more often than not this season, particularly a point of attack defense. Um, tonight, he started hitting three-pointers, four for six from three. Now, I'm not counting on that the whole way forward, but his ability to hit an open shot is what's going to make it possible for him to play 25 minutes in a playoff game. Cause I think he can defend at a playoff yeah. level. Um, and I think he's got that. He, I think he has a mindset to play playoff basketball. Like he's going to make young guy mistakes, but he's, you know, do I need to pull it up right now? Get the x-ray with the, with, you know, dogs in the chest like, <laughs> with the dog in the chest. He, yeah, man. He's my, my thing with him is, he's going to make mistakes, but he's got elite competitive attributes and elite physical attributes to, to play at that level. And my question's always been, will the shot come around tonight? It did. And, and, and you know what? Like he, to me is the key for this Warriors team in many ways, which is, which is somewhat scary, but I don't disagree with you. Um, and you and I have gone back and forth about this, that I think his handle uh, bettering his handle is, is more important than the jumper. Um, as far as his long-term development. But I think today for Kaminga or tonight for Kaminga was kind of a microcosm of the, I mean, of his career, but mm-hmm. also the the Warriors' high potential rookie, mm-hmm. just the, that whole experience, because he was absolutely awful in the first half. And the reason he looked awful in the first half was because he had reverted back to overthinking and second-guessing himself all of the stuff that the negatives of the of the coach Kerr, you know, young guy experience. Also, also, Toronto kind of played a playoff defense on him. Like you can count on Nick Nurse to to come up with a game plan versus everyone. His mm-hmm. game plan versus Kuminga was the obvious one. Shoot it. Yeah, bro. go ahead. Like yeah. we're we're gonna sag off you. And in the, the first way two were off. His first two attempts were looked awful. But they sagged off him in a way yeah. that teams only do in the playoffs. Like teams yes. don't throw that stuff at guys like Kuminga in a, you know, January 27th game. That's but, something you see in the playoffs. You are absolutely right. Look, we can go back and forth about, and I, we'll talk maybe about Wiseman later, but about who has more potential, Wiseman or, or Kaminga. But certainly Kaminga mm-hmm. is much closer to realizing it and looks like he should be a rotation guy and even can possibly close some games, maybe in the playoffs even, um, because he is the one guy that just does that thing that nobody else can do. He puts pressure on the rim. Uh, he leverages his athleticism, which is elite even compared to NBA players. And he looks most willing to be the guy 
you know, like TK talks about this all the time. The guys that just go get buckets, you know, you know, playoff bucket, go get that difficult. Yeah. Wiggins, when he's right, can Um, Steph can get to the rim, but that's that's a different thing. Clay, you want you want a terrible mid. You want a guy who's at least wing size, if not bigger. Yes. Who can just get you an easy bucket when things go. Things get tough. Just get, yeah, give, me, I don't, give me two points. Give me four points what, here. What game was it? I I want to say it was the Charlotte game at home where there was just a stretch down like oh, yeah, post game. And then he, just, he just took over defensively. He just took over. He, couple, I think he just yeah. took the ball from It was a, from it was a physical takeover. It was, like a, it was like a was, Jimmy Butler or a Jalen right. Brown type of thing. Like it wasn't pretty. It was, but it was just like uh-huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna assert myself physically and on you. Offensively, the Warriors had nothing going. Yeah, uh, it was late clock. I think they hadn't scored in like three or four minutes. Charlotte had clawed their way back into the game, and Kaminga was able to get the ball baseline, maybe 15 feet out, kind of bump a guy off him and just hit like you know a little floater from maybe it was eight or ten feet out along the baseline, mm-hmm. which is the kind of baskets that you need to get because during the playoffs, especially later on in series when teams are more used to playing the Warriors who do something different. I always say they run like, it's like a, a triple option in, in college, right? right? It's hard to play the Warriors in the regular season because nobody else plays like the Warriors play. Sure. But you can get more used to it in uh, later in the playoffs once you've played them a few times, once you've seen it a bit. So, you know, some of the, the dribble handoff, fake dribble handoff stuff, keeper stuff from Draymond, or, you know, the, the screens where two guys run at Steph and you get a little slip for a layup. The Warriors have always feasted in the paint this year that's not the case but when that kind of stuff is more difficult or goes away entirely in the playoffs you need guys that can get those tough twos like Kaminga has shown just force ability it. to do just yeah exactly yeah. you know shout out shout out our guy Corey Maggetti back in the day um never played <laughs> the single games. greatest travel in NBA history there's a yeah, YouTube exactly. clip it takes like seven <laughs> he switches his pivot foot seven times and doesn't get called for it I don't think all right so I have a take for you on Kaminga all right let's go I do not believe the Warriors are going to make a meaningful trade at the deadline to add talent to this team. I agree with that. Uh, it could happen, but just based on the market, it doesn't seem likely. So I think Jonathan Kuminga is going to determine their playoff upside. And I don't mean that in the sense of he needs to develop into uh, becoming Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. I mean in the sense of we know who the starting lineup is. We know who Jordan Poole is. I feel pretty confident that I know who Dante DiVincenzo is. Jonathan Kuminga is that larger wing who can defend multiple positions, who can provide some athleticism that this team is currently lacking. The player that they got from GP2 and Otto Porter last year, uh, maybe it's a lot to ask for him to fill both those roles, but that's what's going to determine this team's ceiling going into the playoffs. So just on one part about that, I think Dante fills that somewhat because mm-hmm. I've, he, his hands are so, you know, a couple games ago or a few a couple weeks ago, actually, him just ripping the ball from uh, from Dame late. Uh, he did that a couple times tonight. But I do think, especially without Wiggins, I do think that Kaminga is probably the best option on those nuclear, quick, uh, on jaw, on Dame um, kind of guys. My only pushback on your thought that he determines the playoff upside. I don't disagree with you, but I'm not sure. I guess it's not, it's not a disagreement. It's a question. Do you think he'll be given the opportunity? Do you think Steve will play him enough for him to be able to determine? I, I think so. I here's, here's my feeling. If, 
feels like he is. So we've been analogizing, analogizing. Wow. Making analogies of the season uh-huh. relative to the 2020, 2021 season. Uh, everyone's favorite Kelly Oubre, um, yeah. Brad Wanamaker season. And that season was very frustrating. But one good thing that came from it was Jordan Poole establishing himself in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Poole actually played pretty well in the play-in games. Um, he did. He, he punched above his weight. Um, and <laughs> Speaking of analogies, what an interesting <laughs> one to use <laughs> in relation to JP. <laughs> uh, he was trying to punch above his weight in preseason. <laughs> Look what happened. I mean, I'm I'm always gonna appreciate his his competitive <laughs> fire. I'll be honest with you there. He's like I I I can never dislike a guy like that. But um, what I was gonna say is, Kuminga to me is the Jordan Pool of this season, where he may have not started the season in the rotation. We may have had questions why Steve Kerr didn't like him or didn't play him or all that stuff. But his development changes the trajectory of the season. Mm-hmm. Look, Steph Curry's he's he's first ballot. He's as proven as it gets. I know what I'm getting from him. Yeah, he's also playing still at that level. Yeah. I also know what I'm getting from Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, not on the same talent level, Looney. Um, and to degree Wiggins too. I know what I'm getting from those guys. Kuminga is the guy who changes the equation in one way or another. And it's unfair because he's 20 and he's in year two. And like, you know, he shouldn't have those expectations, but like he is kind of the X factor to this mm-hmm. whole thing because you got to assume come April, Andrew Wiggins is going to be healthy. And he's had a really kind of crappy six, six to eight weeks. He had an amazing start to the season, but kind of yes. crappy. You know, Clay Thompson, I know he's going to leave it on the floor. Draymond, same thing. Like those guys, I know we're searching for those ancillary players who will take the the team to another level to, to determine if this is going to be a five or six man team where let's see if Steph Draymond and those guys could play 48 minutes a game for three months, which they can't. And it's unrealistic to ask basically anyone to, or if they can get other contributions and they can become more of an eight, nine man rotation. So when you were talking about the, the comparison uh, to pools development in the 2021 season, I actually think maybe the analogy for for Kaminga, and I think the one you're making is a good one, but I think I might shift it to uh, Jordan Poole last year because right before the playoffs, when Steph was out, he went nuclear. Um, and, and it was more expected because he had had a good finish to the pr- uh, previous season. So there was sure. some buzz on, there was some buzz on JP going into last year. Like we were, we were, we were talking about him. We were a little ready for it. Yeah. So, I'm wondering if maybe that is, and and to be fair, it, it's not a great comparison because Kaminga was also hurt for for a fair amount of this time. But I'm wondering if, and, and frankly, even when Wiggins was out, he didn't play Kaminga. In my opinion, didn't play enough when he was healthy. But maybe it is like the the Steph absence at the end of two seasons ago kind of forced, or excuse me, last season kind of forced Steve Kerr to really let JP do his thing. And I'm wondering if. I mean, he had, and Kaminga had started ascending before this, but maybe the the Wiggins absence has kind of forced Kerr into playing Kaminga more than he wanted to. Um, and like, continues to, and and personally, it's frustrating me because I want to see the two of them together. Because, in my opinion, 
uh, the core three, you know, the, the legends plus Wiggins and Kuminga presents the potential of the best lineup. Doesn't mean it will be the best lineup, right. but like two hyper athletic six, eight wings around the core guys is like kind of what I want on paper. Yeah. And, and Wiggins obviously in his prime proven um, certified that like, you know, warrior fans love him. Uh, Kuminga presents like another version of that in some ways. And, you know, they're different. Kuminga is far more aggressive. Uh, not the shooter though, Yeah, it, but it's like, you, you see conceptually that could be it, but I have a stat for you, yeah, which is please. like, they have played a whopping 61 minutes together. Wiggins and Kuminga wow. this season, which kind of speaks to the frustration, which is, I, I, I just want to see it. I just want to see it. You know, do you have, like, do you have uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look, if you don't have it, do you have, um, what their net rating is? And Oh, it's awful. In, but, oh, it? but okay. it's, it's, it's 61 minutes. Yeah. And let's walk, let's walk through the, the background on it. The beginning of the season, Kuminga was out of the rotation. Um, the stories have been out there, but like he, you know, too cocky in preseason wasn't defending whatever it may be right yeah, like yeah. It, whatever it is the coaching staff was correct because it, they got the most out of them now and if it costs them a few games so be it right. uh the minute kuminga broke into the rotation wiggins got hurt mm-hmm. and then wiggins came back from injury kuminga got hurt right and we we're just getting ready to see both of them and then now wiggins is sick so it's like kind of you know what are you going to really do with that? It's it's like at some point you just got to throw your hands in the air and be like, all right, sometimes bad luck happens. We got 33 games, but um, it is kind of the thing I'm most interested in seeing these final 33 games. How does that lineup look together? Because that, that feels like a Warriors lineup. That feels like conceptually what we expect from the Warriors with their small ball lineup. And honestly, like we'll talk about Dante in a minute, but um it's something they haven't been able to get to because they've been too small. Yeah. They've been, it's too many six, three guys to be honest. So you, you mentioned uh, Kelly Oubre, who is not a, is not a well thought of name around, uh, around these parts, but it does remind me Oubre and Wiggins playing together. The reason I liked it so much. And you and I talked about this at the time was because they were both good defensive players, especially on the ball, but gave different looks, right? Wiggins is kind of just more steady, stay in front of you, uh, just make life difficult for you. And Ubre was more of a guy that would take chances, get steals, and was more disruptive. So I'm wondering if Kuminga can kind of feel that field that role where Wiggins is the more steady, just make life tough. And then uh Kaminga's the guy that can really put pressure on you athletically and and get some explosive defensive that's, plays out of it. I mean, that's that's kind of how I see it because like, you know, Wiggins is a vet he understands the nuances of defense. It's more likely he's going to be able to kind of like guard the weak side and be that guy. Whereas like Kuminga at this point, like, you know, it's, it's unfair to ask him to do some of those things. It's more like let's utilize his athleticism as a weapon to make ball handlers uncomfortable. Yeah, That's why you want him on the ball. You have to think yeah. less if you're on the ball, just yeah, exactly. stay in front of that dude. Make his honestly, life miserable. He's yeah. a good on ball. Like he doesn't foul. He's got really good reflexes. So it, it makes total sense. Um, Anyway, that's something I'm excited to see going forward. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mentioned it. We haven't talked about Dante. It's yep. been almost 20 minutes. We got, we got some stuff to get to, but Dante DiVincenzo, double-double tonight. 11 Career assists, high, yeah. 12 points. Um, you mentioned his hands defensively. I mean, is is there not a player who feels more meant to play in the Warriors system than Dante? Like, <laughs> just absolutely necessary, by the way, for them too. Because, like, sometimes it's felt this season that they miss that Iguodala-type guy who just connects everything. Mm-hmm. And Dante has filled that role perfectly uh, while doing other stuff for them too. Yeah, and I also really liked, and you can tell because the guy said early in the season, uh, maybe it was preseason, that he felt like a Warriors guy, and they wanted, you know, the the Steph and Clay and Wiggins and Draymond wanted Dante out there with him um, because he just does stuff. He gets it right. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to play. And so I was also really impressed. Yes, I mean, like all that you said about him on the court, but he was also mic'd up and. I was very impressed because it shows that he feels comfortable leading and has the trust of everybody to lead. I was really impressed with how he was talking to Wiseman and coaching Wiseman up on, on the bench. I thought that was, that was a positive thing too. So it seems like all of that. 2026 baby. All of that. Yeah, exactly. In 2031, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to dunk that or lay that up. Or if you have four guys on you, then you pass it out. You make the easy, but um, (laughs) yeah. So all of that just speaks to, how quickly he has integrated himself and ingratiated himself with, you know, the Warriors culture. And you're right. He just feels like he fits. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, all right, we got a super chat here from Awesome. All Sam right. not paying playing his employees. Looney four fouls in the second. Kurt doesn't even think to play James. Just trade him. Thoughts on the Slater article? Ooh, we're getting spicy already. Um, so Andy and I talked about the Slater article on the last pod. Uh, so we encourage you to go and listen to that if you want thoughts on that specific topic. But I'm not going to ignore the fact that Looney was in foul trouble and we have two straight Wiseman DNPs. Right. Steve, at this point, how many different ways does he have to indirectly say it without saying it? He doesn't think he can help the team. Correct. He thinks he's too far away. Correct. Steve Kerr, get, help me get into the mindset of a coach like Steve Kerr. We are in game 49. We're 50 games into the season, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a disappointing Ten games under where we think we should be. It, exactly disappointing season at minimum mm-hmm. uh and it's it's go time it, is the perspective just as simple as this look man i'm trying to win games i'm trying to defend the crown i don't have time for any of this anymore yeah so steve like what a 9.6 now or something right now now steve's chasing wins okay cool yeah, just steve xp we're, yeah. we're... <laughs> <laughs> Steve Vista. Um, look, I, so I don't think it's that I, I agree with you um, that that's what Steve's doing. I don't think it's that complicated anymore though. Um, he should, if he was ever going to play today would be the day. Looney had four fouls in the first half. Jermichael Green has been awful all season. He's just back. He wasn't any good tonight either. It wasn't like he was destroying people. So if Wiseman was ever going to play tonight would be the night. He didn't. They're also not going to trade him. So if that's the case, why well, not? Spend well, the, you think light, you think Joey Lightyears is trading him? It's just, you're ruining Christmas for a child right now. <laughs> um, so, okay. The assumption we don't around know the that. league. We do, I do we not. Do we don't not, know that. We do we not know, know that. We still have like 12 days. Okay. So that. So the assumption God, around I'm, the league I'm like is completely lying to myself. This is amazing. The assumption around the league, how about that, is that he is not the Warriors are not really willing to trade them unless it's something that they have no choice. Yes. Um, and they will not be making the call. They will be receiving the calls. So with so all when, of that when, said, when Masai calls and says Scotty Barnes for Wiseman, sounds good. Then, then maybe you can Joey get will to be... throw in some draft picks too. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if all of that is the case, and he's not going to play today. When they gave up a million points in the paint and nobody else on the Warriors was guarding either. So it's not like James would have stuck out as a sore thumb as the only guy who wasn't guarding. Send him back to the G League. What is the point? Send him to the G League then. Because Baldwin wasn't there. Baldwin's probably ahead of him in the rotation as a big guy. Baldwin wasn't there. Send him to the G League then. What what are we hoping to accomplish sitting him in? If he's not going to play today, then he's not going to play. What's I, agree, I agree with you on, on that front, which is like, okay, I don't think Steve's wrong for not playing him. Like he, the, he's just not ready. Um, but he's not benefiting from sitting on the bench. Like it, at one point in the first quarter, a uh, friend of the show, Kareth Burke tweeted is Wiseman coming in. Oh, yeah, he's, he's on, on the, the exercise. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
No, he I understand. He, I understand. I understand. He hasn't got any physical activity in two I understand, months. but I understand why she get some cardio thought, in. I understand why she thought that. It's like get loose. No yeah. one goes on the bike mid game if it's not to get loose to go in the game, except you know. So it's like one of those things where it's like if he's not going to play in one scenario, it's like make a decision here. But I feel like we're just going to have to deal with this through trade deadline season because while I do not believe they're going to move him and the expectation is not that they're going to move him, we do not know if they will not move him for the next week and a half, two weeks. So we got to play this like, you know, charade, right? Precisely. Yeah, precisely. I just like it. It right now doesn't feel like there's a plan. That's the part that like I pick a direction. I don't care what the direction is. But I, I, I do agree with you. And that is my number one frustration with the whole Same situation. Thing with Moody, by the way, Steph it, Moody, by the way, dominated the G League today. Oh, he was there. Domi- dominated. They sent him down today. I'm going to pull up his stats. Moody, 36 minutes, 26 points, seven rebounds. Um, Nine for 16, 26 from the field. Okay, so maybe not dominated. I take that back. Maybe I mean, he was he was maybe dominant in his last when he was down there before. He he was. I mean, he's he's at year. this point. You used to call Jordan Poole four A player. I did. Yeah, shout out and Tommy. Moses Moody's currently a four four A player. Correct. So, um, I mean, I th- is I he though? He, I think he can. He play started him. games in the Western Conference Finals last year. Is he or worse maybe it was than, the semifinals? Is he worse than Max Christie on the Lakers, or is he just a player who has not been given fifteen minutes a game every game for a consistent? Is he worse period? than Max Christie? I don't know, but I don't think fair, he is. Probably not, but to be fair, the Warriors roster is better than the Lakers roster. That's so. my point. That's my point. If Moses Moody was getting a comfortable run where he's not terrified that the minute he makes a mistake, he's going to get pulled, he probably settles in. I mean, he could shoot. The, he shoots at an NBA level. That's not a question. He does. The problem is he does that Jeremy Lin thing where he just dribbles into the paint and gets yeah. lost and has nothing to do with it and gets stuck. That's true. That's true. Anyway, um, that's enough Moses Moody talk for today. But but the, the point the point stands. You know, it's like they. It's tough. Okay, so quote, there. So there's I the question. Though. Here from, why send from, Why send Moody if you're not going to send Wiseman? That's fair. Um, you know, they needed big men, even though Steve said they don't. Even though he said they did. So anyway, yeah, um, third we, big man Andre Iguodala. We have a team. quote from We have a quote from Steve, which is going to take precedent over this. Okay. That, on Jonathan Kuminga, that corner three is a big shot for him. I think it's an effective weapon for him. Uh, I thought that was a big swing in the game when he made three or four of those in a row. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we talked about it, but I do think Kuminga is defined by his ability to just stick an outside shot. I don't need him to be a shooter. I need him to hit the shot when they disrespect him on defense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like It does, because if you're going to stand out there – and they don't care at all. I don't. I don't think there's much difference between a 34% three-point shooter and a 37% three-point shooter. Exactly. But if you're going to stand out there and they don't care at all, that gums up the works. Or if you stand out there yeah. and won't shoot it, it gums up the works. As long as you're willing to shoot it, and the defense at least has to keep one eye on you out there, then yes, I, I agree with that. I do too, and I think that's that's a big thing for him because um, his shots a work in progress, and it's going to be a work in progress for a couple of years. But like his ability to just stick an open shot is the type of thing that forces a defense to maybe guard him. And the mm-hmm. next thing you know, like I mean, his athleticism to the ring is just it, well. And if and if he becomes a 
not even like a feared three-point shooter, but a dangerous three-point shooter. Imagine what he can do if his handle is decent attacking closeouts if guys have to try to at least soft close on him. I don't even think he needs his handle that that great given his first step. But like your point stands. Like, I mean, that's the thing that's exciting about a player like him. Like it's like because the, the frame, the first step, and the feel, like it, you get giddy like yeah there's nothing off the table as it relates you think all the possibilities are just exciting and it's like i mean it's a wings league and he is a prototypical wing he's got prototypical wing measurements and everything and so um you know he's he's an exciting player for the wars um tim i think it's time i think it's time we get to the goons hey what's going on you guys it's martin calling in uh, from down here in LA, just wrapped up this Raptors game. Uh, I guess my overall feeling right now, I just want to say is that uh, obviously we got some roster issues. Uh, we need to make a few changes, probably get Anthony Lamb off the team. Uh, Jermichael, I'd be down to get rid of. Uh, but it kind of still <laughs> feels like even as currently constructed, the core, uh, if we're locked in and we're healthy, I think we're fine. I think that's what's most frustrating is that all these losses seem to be more like mental focus related and just not locking in all the way. So it feels like tonight is the perfect example of when the core is there. We didn't even have Wiggins, but if the core is there, if they're healthy, if they're engaged. I feel, okay. I appreciate the call, my man. Um, Larson, let me ask you this. Okay. So my personal feeling is, if you're playing a one of one, I feel pretty comfortable with this roster because you can ride the core mm-hmm. to get a win. My concern has always been the long haul. And let's not pretend the playoffs are not a grind. Mm-hmm. Two plus months, 16 wins. It's a long period of time. And so how do you feel if the playoffs start today with this I- roster? I think the Warriors are the favorites in the West. Um, I wouldn't say that they're the favorites to win the whole thing, but I think they're the favorites in the West. Um, like, and that is largely because nobody, I don't think the Warriors should be afraid of anybody in the West. Um, oh, Memphis you're good, is a fraud. You're good in the West? You're good in the West? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Memphis is a, speaking of Memphis is a fraud. Denver, <laughs> Denver, I think is better than the Warriors, but I don't think Denver can beat the Warriors. Um, uh, that's just a bad matchup for them because, yeah. like, as good as De- I feel like Denver can destroy most everyone in the West, but then uh, Steph Steph calls for the ball thirty feet out, and Jokic is just it's rough. So I think I think the key to the Warriors, and I agree about the 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 core and being able to beat anyone. The problem for the Warriors is they just don't guard anybody, and that includes the core. And if you don't guard anybody night to night, and the Warriors do not that opens up much more variance in games. And that means the Warriors can lose to anybody too. If, if the Warriors are going to guard at this level, they're not, is there a switch? Maybe Draymond is still Draymond. Is there a switch? Maybe, but if the Warriors are going to guard like this, they're not going to win anything. And there is not much precedent for a middle of the road defense. I think they're 15th or 16th, 17th, somewhere in there. Now those teams just don't win. Um, Now there is like, look, Kind of like when is LeBron going to fall off? Like, uh, like predicting that downfall is a sure, sure. errand. I think there's some of that with the Warriors too, right? Like predicting the Warriors don't have that switch to flip. 
it's probably a fool's errand. I'll believe the Warriors can't beat everybody in the West when it happens. Yeah. But there is no precedent for this. I agree. All right. We got a we got Steve Kerr here. Let's let's play this real oh, quick. Okay. Kavon Looney in foul trouble. And as you cycle through a few players at the five, how come James Wiseman wasn't a part of that cycle? Uh we just decided to go with Jamichael. Um, you know, we've we thought about going with Wise, but uh Jamichael's been playing well in the last few games and uh so we gave him those minutes. But um James could find himself out there um next game. You know, it's it's just day to day and just gotta, he's just gotta stay ready, which he will. Poor Steve. I mean, I give Steve a hard time, but poor Steve, what's he supposed to say? No, I mean that's he's he's a pros pro. He has a top three coach's salary for a reason. Um, he knows how to handle these uncomfortable conversations. Uh, you know, it, it maybe Bob should have a top three GM salary also <laughs> for having to deal with some of this. But, you know, that's a, that's a different conversation. Some people I mean, think he does. Some people think he doesn't. Steve is pretty conservative <laughs> about fouls, too. So when Looney had three in the first half and didn't come out, like the jig was up. Yeah, I, th- I think part of that was he's also um, – he knows Loon's only going to play 22 minutes. So like, if you know a guy's not going to be a 40 minute player, you could stretch it a little bit. I mean, I say stretch it anyway, but that's not generally how Steve is. True, 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 true. I stretch it for anybody. Like, I think that is a flaw in coaching, right? The, the minutes in the first half count as much as the minutes in the fourth quarter. Who cares? Yeah. The, you are trying to avoid a guy having to sit with fouls because he fouls out. And in the meantime, you are guaranteeing you're trying to that maximize you're trying the to avoid. Of, you're trying to maximize the minutes of your impact players. So, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Um, let's get to the next call, Tim. All right. Took half the season, but Kerr finally learned an important lesson. You cannot close with pool and uh, love and Kaminga. Ooh. We, have, mm-hmm. we didn't talk about this no. directly. Dante closed. Dante and Kuminga closed. Um. One of those sits for well, no Wiggins didn't close either because he's been bad. I was going to say one of those guys normally would well, sit for Wiggins. Wiggins, but... Wiggins didn't close because he's currently sick. But right, um, no, but I mean, even when he a couple games ago, Wiggins didn't close because he's been awful. Yeah, and maybe he was sick to be fair. Yeah. But like, I mean, yeah. he, he, like, he's, he you you mentioned earlier he has had a rough go the past. His two his months. energy level, like, look, man, I'm I'm getting over it, so I I can I have empathy for does for Wiggins people. does Wiggs have a one year old. Yeah, he does. Uh, oh. All right, maybe that explains it then. Um, uh, but what I was going to say is uh, Dante getting the chance to close. Do you think Steve's going to go to this more? Because to me, it felt like a coach saying, damn politics, I'm playing my best lineup for yep. this matchup, which it was. It was Dante was playing better than pool. And, and sometimes the matchup makes more sense to have kind of like the ball connector guy than another score out there. Yeah. I mean, Dante, obviously, you know, we mentioned it had his career high in assists, had 12 points, was playing well, was playing well defensively. I think that what has happened with pool and his poor play this year, I don't think it has removed him from that discussion. I think it has removed his guarantee that he's going to close even when he yeah. starts, um, even yeah. without Wiggins, as we saw tonight. I do still think he'll close sometimes, but I think it is, I don't even, I mean, partially, as you mentioned, matchup dependent, but I think it's more um, game flow and how guys look dependent. Yeah. Jordan wasn't any good tonight and Dante was, there you go. And Kaminga obviously was late. So I think it was as simple as that. And Looney wasn't an option because he'd fouled out. Yeah. No, I mean, and and that makes sense. So, but lamb had some late minutes. 
<laughs> Lamb had some late minutes Look, that man, Poole didn't get. I'm I'm pro Lamb in the sense of how is that possible? Look, he is who he is. I'm not going to blame him for the fact that the roster did not find a better player than him to play. I think he has exceeded your expectation. Sure. Does that make sense? Sure. He's also awful, but yes. All right. Now, Tim, let's get to the next one. Hey, guys. A long-time listener. Uh, haven't ever called in. Um, but um, do I do want to – I don't think this has ever been discussed, but I I do want to talk about Mike Brown. Has his absence kind of changed the defense? Um I, you know, Atkinson's taken over on that front, and he's a really good coach. But I do wonder if – like, I wonder how much the team is missing Mike Brown, and I wonder what your guys' thoughts are. Thanks. It's an interesting so, thought. Yeah. I, I, I want, Aaron, I want your thoughts on – okay, so, like, think of this from, like, a, a big-picture perspective. This is a very veteran coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Mike Brown is an incredibly veteran coach. Uh, he left um, – how much of a gap do you think losing someone like that actually is versus this being the situation with the talent they have? So there's no way to really know because we're not inside, you know, those coaches meetings and who handles what and how much of a loss it is. I'm ever, but but yeah, but like with largely the same personnel, not entirely, but largely the same personnel, the team went from elite defensively to mediocre is being kind. Now, the, the league is kind of, is somewhat different, right? Offense is up all over the place. But mm. as far as, so I don't think the raw numbers of points per game matter all that much. But as far as the, the Warriors defense relative to the rest of the league, it's 12 or 15 places lower. Mm. And it's largely, largely the same personnel. Otto's a good defensive player. GP2 is an elite defensive player. But aside from that, like Dante's good. Kaminga should have a year of development. He's better than he was last year. Wiggins has fallen off a touch and hasn't been around as much. But the main loss, other than other than GP2, is is Mike Brown. So how much? It seems like it has had a would Mike, negative effect. Would Mike Brown have jumped in front of Jordan Poole to take the punch? <laughs> and would that have saved the chemistry? <laughs> yeah, so as Does a Mike Brown drill, have- he would have called it a, taking a charge. Does Mike Brown have that kind of lateral quickness? I, not anymore, no. But, I mean, everybody seems like him. And look, I mean, Sacramento's not great defensively, but they're pretty damn good. That's, as that's actually team. my favorite part, because, like, you know, you and I are old enough to remember 2009. Yes. Which makes me feel old that there's people who don't. Um, but, like, his reputation back in the day of being uncreative offensively, of being, like, a defensive drill sergeant, yes. um, it, it's it's really cool to see Sacramento be, like, literally the the opposite of that. Like, <laughs> Are they the most fun team in the – I mean, I think they are the I most. love watching they, Orlando, they the, but them they, and Orlando are, like, the two most fun they have They have great energy. The ball hops. They put points on the board. They win. You know, I kind of like, like it, the beam too. Is that is this a safe space to say that it's kind it's corny, I it. but I kind of like it. I like it too. I'm I'm pro sack. I've always been a, a pro Kings guy. Uh, until the Warriors get into some sort of death feud with the Kings, I'm not going to hate. So, and that no, hasn't and the happened. Warriors. By the way, there is no there is well, Kings ownership would love this, but there is nobody the Warriors would rather see in the first round. That if it's like a three six or four five, then there's, then there's the no there's, there's the Warriors no would one, sweep them. There's no one in the West I'm concerned about. 
uh, in that first round matchup for the Warriors, other than Denver. Denver would not be the ideal first round matchup, but and that's not to say the Warriors wouldn't win it, but like you don't want the worst case scenario, right? You want Memphis again, don't you? I do, of course. Yeah, I, I just I, I think they're I, too. I, do I think too. they're soft, dude. I think they they're suck. Frauds. I think they're a joke. I mean, like David Roddy might be their best player. Um, I don't know. Now, now I'm just now I'm now we're too far into potting and I'm just talking trash. Uh let's get to the last one, Tim. So I was pretty sure my uh, last call got completely cut off. So um, my hot take is that they can't sustain runs. They consistently go on like they did to end this half on a 14 to, I think it was four run when it probably they had three or two wide open threes and they missed the free throw. So that's at least a 16, if not 17 point run that you go on in the half. And instead of being only up by one, you're up by at least five. If we're if we're being honest, and it, they just can't sustain. Tim, the I'm runs confused. Like they used to be able. The end of the third would disagree with that. Like, I, Kaminga I, made I, four threes, and Steph made a three in two. I and a feel half like uh, I feel like that call was from the the middle of the second quarter. I don't know. Yeah. I feel I feel confused. Look, there's know. again, there's variance in in three point shooting. So. The Warriors are used to coming out in third quarters and Steph puts four threes on somebody's head and Clay makes a bunch. And Clay didn't shoot the ball well again today. And there you go. You miss a bunch of threes, you don't get runs. Yeah, it happens. But feel free to call on a halftime anytime, guys. Don't worry about that. Aaron, my man, yes. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Warriors are one game above 500. Is this the game that turns the season around? No. <laughs> Fuck off. All right. That's <laughs> but, that's I mean, it. why is there any evidence? This is what they've been doing. No, I mean, I've had you on 10 times this season and at least eight times we've had that conversation. And each time I've believed it deep in my heart and they have come through zero this time. So, I do think this so, road trip is important for them, though. It is. It is important for them. And we will get to it um, on a future episode. But I want one one take from you before okay. we go. All right. Because you're wearing a 49ers hat. I am. And the road trip starts Monday, but there's a game on Sunday that Indeed. has precedent. How you feeling? I mean, I'm like conditioned to be a negative fan <laughs> in general. So I, I, I just I think I think I think Why? the Niners I've said since before I've said since before the the playoffs started that uh I thought the 49ers were gonna lose to the Chiefs in the in the Super Bowl. So I'm gonna stick with that. Um I'm I'm pretty ter- I'm pretty terrified of some Jalen Hurts runs on keepers and RPO keepers, and I'm terrified that AJ Brown is going to get behind the secondary. Uh, but the Eagles can't stop the run, and frankly, the Niners have the best team in the NFL. I'm not fully sold on Purdy yet, other than he's not Jimmy G. He's better than Jimmy G, but he still makes me a little nervous. So I, I, I think I think the Niners are going to I think the Niners are going to win, but I'm not particularly confident. I'm with you there. I'm throwing my prediction on this. Right. And I'm going to have Tim edit it out if it doesn't happen. So I'll go 28 24 Niners. Ooh. I am going 23 17. I don't think they're covering um, the over. I think this is going to be a war. I think it's going to be uncomfortable. I think you're going to text me at one point during the game saying you're, you know, it's over and you're getting into the liquor. Um, <laughs> but I, I, the only thing I feel confident about, I, I just don't think we're hitting the over, but I think the Niners are winning. 
I think they're going to run it down their throat. Yeah. I think Debo will have the play of the weekend. Okay. Um, I'm with it. And as I've told you, we're deleting this if I'm wrong. So appreciate you for coming on. My pleasure. (laughs) Have a great night, everyone. Have a great weekend.